This is the Detroit Comeback Show with Dan Fuoco. Welcome to the Detroit Comeback Show, where we give you an insider's glimpse at why Detroit is America's best-kept secret. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Detroit Comeback. We are here with Steve Johnson. He's part of Motor City Brew Tours. Steve, tell me about Motor City Brew Tours, how it, the, the creation of it. Tell me, you know, why you created this. Well, uh, I was with I was on vacation with my wife back in 2007, and uh, we were going on a wine bus tour in Southwest Michigan. And at the end of that, as we were driving back to Detroit area, we said, "Hey, we should come up with that concept with breweries in downtown Detroit and Metro Detroit." I kind of sat on the idea for a couple of years, and uh, eventually I pitched it to a coworker. I was, I was working at a, my nine to five job at the time, and he just said, hey, let's rent a bus. Let's just go sometime and do it. And he just made it sound like it was so simple. <laughs> and uh, that was kind of the birth, and essentially, of Motor City Brew Tours. And what, what we do is we do guided bus, bicycle, and walking tours to breweries in Michigan. But the original model was guided bus tours okay. to uh, breweries. So, so guided bus tours was the original. And then you expanded. Uh, about how long after did you expand? Uh, about a year into it, we tried a couple walking tours. So really the same concept, just without a bus. Yeah. So you were on the, the wine tour. Why did you do beer tours? Because I was a beer enthusiast. So most so was of, this a, a hobby or, or extracurricular activity? What? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say it was a hobby, but it really wasn't. It was just for fun. When I travel, I'd like to go to breweries and okay. try new breweries. And I got to enjoy the local areas that way. And I like to bike. So those are kind of the two things that my wife and I really enjoyed to do. Oh, not bad. Okay, so show me what it's like to be in a brew tour. Okay, well, typical customers, uh, we kind of created this model around the idea that there's a lot of people that live in Metro Detroit that that need a reason to discover new things in the city um, and in the suburbs, and beer was a good context for that. So we found that the majority of our customers are coming from the suburban areas in Detroit, and uh, we found they're typically 35 to 55 uh, educated, uh, like to travel, like to make new experiences, but wanted to create some also local experiences at the same time. Okay. So that's our, what our typical customer looks like. Yeah. And so when they're on the tour, you know, how long is the tour basically? Are they all custom? So we do a mix of public and private events. Okay. And on a public event, you would just buy a ticket to it and come on it. And for example, a typical bus tour, we uh, like to go to three breweries and we try to group them together so okay. that the, the travel time's not too much uh, in between. And it's typically about five hours. So about an hour at each stop plus travel time in between uh, makes up a typical bus tour with the walking tour being about three to four hours with the same concept. And when we go to each of these uh, breweries, what we're doing is we're bringing folks in, typically in groups of 20 to 30 people. Okay. And you're uh, enjoying uh, some type of tour, some type of tour of the property, tour of the brewery. Might get to talk with the brewer a bit or the owner or the manager. Kind of that VIP experience when you go in there. They bring you through. And then we sample beer. So we typically sample three to four different beers at each of the three breweries that we take people to. And then somewhere we're feeding you along the way. Yeah. So you you have happy customers. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Food and beer typically make 
people happy. Yeah, it's not too complicated how, how we came <laughs> up with it. We realized we like to do that ourselves and how would customers want to see it. So most customers, what they want is they want it all bundled together. So they don't want to just show up and, and then you just say, here you go, we're at this place, figure it out. Right. What they really want is say, hey, we're sitting here. These people are going to come up. They're going to show you around. Here's some beer for you to sample. If you decide you want things outside of that, then you have that option. But by uh, kind of making a lot of decisions for them, uh, it, it puts people at ease. Oh, yeah. You're, you're making social. the experience um, uh, very convenient for them. Definitely. Definitely. Right. And that's, that's what we try to do. So whether it's public or private, private, we customize it sometimes depending on what the client wants. But it's still the same basic idea. So um, do you get a lot of visitors, a lot of out-of-town visitors on your tours? Well, what, we're, what we've seen over the last couple of years is that numbers started to increase. Okay. So as I kind of said at the intro, we really designed it around locals and mm-hmm. what we kind of call a staycation model. And over time, we're seeing more tourists coming into Detroit. So it's a great sign. It's a great uh Great way to see that the comeback's really happening. Oh, yeah. And uh, so over time, we're starting to see that percentage kind of ramp up. I used to say it was like less than 5% of our customers were probably coming in from out of town. Now I, that number, continue, at least for us, continues to get larger. It's probably more like 15%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's sometimes hard to tell because it's really friends coming into town to see uh, people who live here locally. Right. And they're coming with them. So how do you count them right so those those friends that live locally that have friends coming in from out of town those friends from out of town are saying hey i want to come here and check out what's happening in detroit now that wasn't something we probably used to hear as much about uh when we first started we started the business in 2009 so we're seven years in so we've gotten to see a few different cycles yeah of where kind of tourism's at in the city and since we really set out to not be a tourism-based model we're excited to see it kind of shift yeah. And we're excited for what where the future may come in of that. And do you uh, do you think that a lot of people are coming in or, or maybe, you know, from statistics, I'm not sure what kind of survey questions you have. But do you know or, or see do you do you think that people are coming in um, because there's kind of a beer explosion in Metro Detroit that there's, you know, there's there's a lot of breweries that have been here. Um, but for some reason, beer is really top of mind. Uh, on a regional or national level, Michigan and Detroit being uh, top of mind f- for those areas. Do you think that that has anything to do with this? Oh, I totally do. Yeah, I, and we have a lot of things going for us in this part of Michigan and uh, Southeast Michigan and Detroit in particular. Uh, one is we have breweries that have been around for 20 years on this side of the state. They're w- right. well established. And now we've had kind of the next waves of breweries open up in Metro Detroit that have added to the fact that there's lots of people who like to travel the country and go to different cities just for beer tourism, foodie tourism, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, and, and sometimes you get that mix of that and they're interested in outdoor related activities or sports. So, if, and we're such a great sports town and we have a lot of great outdoor activities that you can kind of bundle those two together with a nice beer foodie culture that's really just continued to get larger over the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. You now have people from other parts of the country, and we definitely see it a bit more in the summer, that say, hey, I came here to do this for a vacation, and I spent, you know, X days in Detroit so that I could experience that. And, and you know, that's the experience we're trying to give to folks is that when they, when they come here and that's what they were looking for, 
we're trying to give them the whole package. Right. Meaning when they come with one of our tour guides, our tour guides are aware of everything that's going on in the local market for the beer scene, for the food scene. Um, and our tour guides are interacting with customers in that way. We're not, we're not just giving canned speeches. We're asking them questions and saying, well, what interests you? Where else are you going to go when you're here? Yeah. Can we give you suggestions? And, you know, we're some uh, ambassadors. You got it. Yeah. You know, we didn't set out to I don't think we looked at it that way when we first started. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting thing. Definitely with the bike tour part of our business where we're probably interacting a bit more with the customers. Uh, we get even more of that. And that's really fun. You feel gratifying at the end of it. Yeah. Right? So so it sounds like you have, uh, you know, probably a list of different partners, preferred partners, people that you use or you know, that you might suggest, right? We definitely do. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's times where people might email us and we're sold out for events and we don't have space. And I'll say, well, listen, we can't accommodate you on a tour, but here, I'd love to give you some suggestions of some great places that you could go to oh, yeah, that would make great. it real easy. And we try to kind of bundle that information in certain areas of downtown Detroit that would say, okay, if you're staying at this hotel, then you could go here and this would be real convenient. You could really get a good feel for the beer foodie scene that we have going on here in Detroit. Okay, definitely. I, yeah, I, that's wonderful news, wonderful to hear. Um, so I did want to talk about, before I forget, I wanted to talk about the definitions between uh, you know brew pubs, microbreweries, because I'm still not clear on it. And I know there may be some others that are just wondering, uh, you know, what's a brew pub or what is a microbrew? What? I don't know anything about that. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm never asked that question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, here's an, here's an easy way to do it. And you could, you could go to the Michigan Brewers Guild, MIBeer.com, and they have full definitions on there for it pertaining to Michigan. Okay. And sometimes the definitions vary a little bit, kind of state to state in the U.S. and internationally. But here's an easy way to look at it. Uh, a brew pub can brew beer on site and sell it on site. Okay. And a brewery or microbrewery, the only difference is the barrels of beer, meaning a microbrewery can only brew so many barrels of beer under a microbrewery license or a brewery license is something that would be a higher amount of barrels in a year. So a brewery or microbrewery then can brew beer on site and sell it through a local distributor, which gets it into bars, which gets it into restaurants, which gets it into, you know, packaged liquor stores and things like that. Okay. So so some examples of those uh, down, or I mean, uh, in Metro Detroit, Detroit. Yeah, in downtown Detroit, Atwater Brewery, for example, the main uh, production brewery that's on Joseph Comp and, and by the river there. Yeah. Uh, they would be considered a brewery. Okay. And um, Traffic Jam and Snug, uh, restaurant and brewery, that's a brew pub. And that's in the Midtown area. And uh, they're a restaurant, they're a brewery, they're a dairy, um, they're a real, and a bakery. So they're a real interesting property there. So they yeah. only brew on site. They brew at a much uh, smaller level of barrels in a year, where someone like an Atwater brewery, they're a production brewery, they're, they're shipping to, uh, I don't know the exact state count, but it's, it's at least 20, yeah, it's 25 big. states now in their way to becoming a national brewer. Uh, they they're doing a lot more barrels in a year. There, they'll be over 40,000 this year for sure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It depends Almost. on what Crane's article you read this week to, to what, <laughs> right. what that answer might be. But it's pretty significant. So you, you take someone like a brew pub, and they're typically in that 1,000 barrels or less in a year. Okay. Uh, and then uh, so they're kind of serving to their, their audience right exactly, there. Exactly. It's more of a local population, right? You have to come here if you want to enjoy their beer. Okay. Where a brewery... W- so that's a brew pub. Brewery would not be that situation. It could, you could enjoy it on site in a tap room. Right. And they may also serve food. Right. But they also sell it all over the place. Yeah. And you could probably find it, you know, 
in Illinois or Ohio or some other varying depending uh, on their size states, correct right yep, you got okay. it that's the easy way to say it okay good good I'm, I'm hopefully that sounded that. easy maybe it wasn't easy I don't know. <laughs> it, was, it was detailed nonetheless yeah. but uh yeah that's good I think it's cleared up a little bit now um so tell me in terms of seasons are there uh you know the different themed uh tours that you do based on seasons are they based on um different kind of maybe breweries are there any themes that you do with your tours a little bit uh we run year-round okay so the the bus tours we run year-round walking tours we pretty much run year-round we're not walking miles and miles in between places so when you're walking just a few blocks you could pretty much run that stuff year-round so from that standpoint, you group the the breweries or the brew pubs together you you do so for example in the midtown area of uh, downtown detroit uh, we have three breweries all literally across the street from each other, and that's a regular walking tour for us. And then okay. uh, occasionally we do one in downtown Ann Arbor that's a walking tour. And then in Royal Oak, we run pretty much every month, we're running a walking tour to three of the five breweries there. We kind of rotate them a bit, and all those are, are real close to each other. On the bus tours, we're kind of varying up where we go on a regular basis. So we may go to the east side, the west side, northeast, northwest sides of Metro Detroit. Definitely, we're going downtown on a pretty regular basis and grouping the breweries in in that perspective. Uh, Seasonally, um, we run bike tours from May to September. We call them bike and brew tours. Okay. Those are history-related bike tours. So you learn about some history in the city of Detroit, and then you finish at a brew pub, and you get some uh, lunch and beer at the end of it. So those we do May through September. So from that standpoint, that's seasonal. And uh, we're, we're only doing about 30 of those in that time frame. Uh, that's our kind of what we call our bike tour season there. Right. But the rest of it, not necessarily. We do have uh, beer festivals that we run transportation okay. to. So there's some seasonality of that because those festivals only run a certain time of year. So we actually do uh, a couple beer festivals in the winter. Uh, we have one in the spring, one in the summer, and one in the fall. Okay. So the one in the fall is at Eastern Market in downtown Detroit. That's the end of o- the third weekend of October, third Saturday. Okay. And uh, that's a great event. Right I'm down. sure you get a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, we bring a bus down from the suburbs to that, bundle in the fest tickets, and uh, it's a real safe way to get in and out of the city, get to enjoy Eastern Market, and obviously a lot of great beer. Yeah, definitely. All right, so you've uh, you've kind of went on a little adventure recently, and, and you've created or you've done some research for a book. Tell everyone about this book and what the purpose of the book is, like what you know, what kind of information people can find in it. Well, uh, in mid-May, I became a published author through Arcadia Publishing the History Press, and the book is called Detroit Beer, A History of Brewing in the Motor City, and that book chronicles uh, the 1800s forward of beer history in downtown Detroit, and kind of goes through the rise and fall of big beer pre- and post-prohibition, and then it starts in kind of the that's the first third of the book. And then two thirds of the book is really about the craft beer movement from 1992, which is when Michigan changed the brew pub law and made it legal to have brew pubs. So from 1992 forward, I chronicle all the downtown Detroit breweries and then all the suburban breweries going out pretty, pretty far uh, and their histories and their backgrounds. And, and, and that's over 50 breweries. So it's a lot wow. of, it's a lot of places. So some of, some of the stories are a little shorter if, if they had just opened and, Others, like, say, an Atwater Brewery in Detroit or a Royal Oak Brewery in Royal Oak 
or um, a few others that have been around for 20 years, 20 plus years now, there's a bit more story to them. Yeah. You get to kind of learn about where did they start, uh, what got them to this point, what are they doing now. And um, It's been a real fun project to work on. Definitely helped me uh, kind of understand where everything started from, from a craft beer perspective, which I've built a business on, but also understand the great uh, beer history that Detroit had in really the late 1800s and early 1900s and how that uh, fits into the whole area. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, I'm sure it's, there's, it sounds like it's jam-packed with information. It, it was challenging. Uh, some people are say, uh, you know, how do you decide what to put in there? And part right. of this was, this was a series called the American Palette Series from Arcadia Publishing, the History Press, the publisher. And they had different beer history books in all these different cities. They were looking for one in Detroit. There is a famous book that came out in the late 1990s called Brewed in Detroit that Peter Bloom, who was an archivist for Stroh's, wrote. His book was the 1800s forward of beer history in downtown Detroit. But so my take on it was I wanted to combine kind of the best of his book in downtown with all of the craft beer history. So to do that, I had to write it in a real, I don't know, short form basis, so to speak. You only go so deep where his book goes really deep on a particular period of time. Mine probably doesn't do that for that part and goes deeper on the craft beer part of it, trying to get everyone covered in there. But it's a publisher and you got word counts and you got all these things you got to right, do. Limitations. Yeah. So there's certain kind of editing and things that you had to do to make it all kind of work in that package. I probably could have done two books in that perspective oh. if I really wanted to. So that that was a lot. That was actually the harder part of it. It wasn't that oh, yeah. there wasn't material. There's tons of great material. We have a great <laughs> history. Choosing here. it. Yeah, I was really choosing it. So that was more challenging than I thought it would be. So you mentioned uh, you mentioned some of the older breweries that have been around for a while, you know, um, taking people there uh, to the older breweries. What kind of stories or behind-the-scenes kind of um, activities or experiences have you had with either those guys or some of the people who were on your tours? Wow. Uh, well, in uh, the summer of 2011, we launched our first bike and brew tours, and it was about beer history. And okay. that book I mentioned before, uh, not my book, but the Brew Detroit book. So I, I, I devised this brewery history bike tour around that, and no idea the kind of response. I thought I'd just do it a couple times, and in the first season we did it 20 times, and every tour was sold out. Wow. So out of that, we got lots of customers that would come on that tour from a certain generation, for the record older than both of us, <laughs> and um, they would have stories. So they would tell stories. Typically, a lot of stories would revolve around Stroh Brewery Company. And uh, they either had a family member that worked there. Maybe they worked there. Okay. And interesting stories of a lot of people forget how large they really were as a brewery. Right. So some of the stats that uh, that we typically tell or other people may tell was, uh, you know, at, at Stroh Brewery Company's height, they were brewing uh, 20 million barrels of beer in a year. Wow. Let's just put that in perspective. For as big as we think Atwater Brewery is in downtown Detroit, and they're they're great size, they're in that 40,000-barrel range. So a lot of the breweries I profile kind of in the first third of the Detroit Beer Book, uh, you think, wow, they couldn't even make it when they were brewing 250,000 barrels of beer in a year yeah. because of how the industry shifted and you had to get much larger as the industry kind of regionalized and nationalized. And now we're kind of come full circle, and we're back here with – breweries that are thriving at a thousand barrels of beer in a year where someone like Stroh at one point couldn't last with 20 million barrels of beer in a year. So that the the times are so 
crazy. Isn't that so interesting? It's what a contrast yeah. to that. So those stories of as as I got into that part of the book of craft breweries and the, the, the two-thirds part, the back part, uh, it was interesting to see how these guys kind of made it work in those early thin years in the 90s. So kind of what we call the first wave of craft beer from kind of 1992 till uh, the the tail end, almost before 2000. Those breweries that opened then, the market was a lot different for better beer. Hmm. It was still fairly homogenized, meaning everyone kind of drank light beer, didn't know a lot about better beer, craft beer. We didn't even use that term, craft beer. Right, yeah, craft really, beer wasn't around. Yeah, people would say microbrew, and you, you, that kind of dates people a little bit. You don't <laughs> use that term as much now. Now they use the term craft beer. But in the 90s, you definitely said microbrew. said microbrew. Yeah, and at that time, it would typically be uh, you would go there and any small brew pub that would open would have to have a light beer because they had to have oh. gateway beers there because customers came in they're like, I'm not drinking that. I'm stuff. not drinking that, that other yeah. beer. So that's why, light beer. Yeah, that's why a lot of these early breweries were really brew pubs. They had to be full-fledged restaurants to serve their local market because that's what people wanted. And they might have even served other beer. So they served some beer they brewed. And there weren't a lot of brewers at that point. So a lot of stories that I, I got from the book was that the the pool of people who could do this, could brew beer, was very small in the 90s and early 2000 uh, because th- there's just only so many people who knew how to do it. Yeah. So they might work at multiple breweries. So as I interviewed some of these early brewers, they'd be like, yeah, I worked here, here, and here. And so they were in high demand. You got it. Yeah. And um, a lot of learnings. Nowadays the the industry has gotten much larger and the percentage of people who like craft beer is much larger there's lots of national figures we could throw at you but we're now in kind of a double digit yeah uh 10 plus and michigan's definitely coming along pretty fast in that yeah. direction as well uh so now you have uh people who've grown up on craft beer so we get customers on our tours all the time now that know as much as i know about beer Mm-hmm. When I first started, it was a lot of education. It'd be like, yeah. well, what's this? What's this beer style? I don't understand what that is. Nowadays, I just mention what the beer styles are, and people already know that. And it's more like they're just trying to try new places and see what they do, as opposed to I educating gotcha. them. So people are coming out of college uh, in their mid-20s, and they drank good beer the whole time they were in college, <laughs> much different than when we went to college. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, us being I in say our, I wasn't drinking tra- craft beers as yeah, much. Yeah, I really didn't till the tail end. And I, I had the luxury that I went to Western Michigan University and I... Um, oh, yeah, both of oh, us. That's right, sorry. That's right right as I said us. that, I realized both of us went there. And, uh, you know, they had Bell's Brewery there. Right. And their tap room opened in the mid-90s, which is when I was knee-deep in school there. Uh, so I got a chance to see it. Now that wasn't all I drank at that point, And that was kind of more of a, almost like a luxury good, you could yeah. say, right. To try that. And we weren't as educated on it. And, uh, you would go there and, you know, Larry Bell would be, could be serving <laughs> yeah, a beer. Right. Exactly. Uh, it was just a smaller operation today. They're the largest brewer in the state. Uh, they're definitely, I, I don't know their barrels number, but it's gotta be pretty large at this point and right. as they've worked to become a national craft brewer. So uh, lots of changes that have happened really from kind of the 90s to today in terms of what people have accepted for craft beer and just the talent out there that can actually produce it and, and that quality level of it, of what we see oh, yeah, today. We're definitely. really in a time of a lot of great variety. We're real lucky. See, and, and that's, what, that's also what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to, you know, for the listeners, give them an idea. Uh, tell them about the, the main uh, varieties of beers. 
Uh, but then also wanted to get your favorite type of beer. Oh, I've never asked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, beer is real simple. You say all beer is ales or lagers. Okay. And all beer styles float under each of those. So that's so two. To, that's two, those are the two highest kind of determining factors. You got an it. ale or a lager. Yep. So okay. it's an it's an ale yeast or a lager yeast, and then you, you can break that down to uh, the country of origin as well. Okay. So you can say I like Belgian inspired beers, or I like German inspired beers, or I like American style beers. And when you're in breweries or brew pubs, typically they'll if if they're a, they're doing a good job of describing it to you they'll tell you that yeah so they'll say this is a hoppy beer in an american style or it's a belgian inspired ale okay um that has blank blank and blank and then they'll they'll direct it down from there so as you begin a little more educated on beer you pick up on that go oh i like belgian inspired beers yeah so i probably would like these um, or I like really hoppy beers. So if it says it's an American style IPA, those are typically very aggressive versus an English style, European style IPA, which is an India Pale Ale. That would be uh, a little more milder. So, and then if you get real technical, you get into the ingredients of beer a bit more. So basic ingredients of beer, right? It's water, it's a yeast, so ale or lager yeast. Um, it's hops. So then you can get specific on the hop varieties that they put in there. And yeah. Certain hops have different uh, flavor to them, different taste to them, right? Different kinds of way it bitters it, uh, different uh, whether it, how it tastes on the front end, how it tastes on the back end. Sounds okay. a bit like wine, True. doesn't I, it? Well, you know, as you're saying this, I'm wondering, you know, there's a wine sommelier. Are, are there beer sommeliers? Yeah, it's called a Cicerone. A Cicerone. Yeah, so there's and a whole program for that based out of Chicago. And I, you can, can we can we call you a Cicerone? You, yet? Can, you definitely cannot. <laughs> okay. But that's all right. I'm I'm not interested in that. But there's lots of people uh, in this local market that are Cicerones. They have a, a kind of base program where you could be a, a certified beer server. A Cicerone that's a certified beer wow. server. So a lot of these breweries and beer bars have taken their staff and kind of put them through this base course. That's kind of where you start. But you can yeah. be a master, and there's other a master Cicerone. Yeah, there's other levels to it now that I'm not. Because I'm not that, I, yeah. I'm probably not as educated on explaining it, but oh. I, I do know what it is. And you'll hear a lot of people, they'll, they'll put that, it's like part of their resume. They'll say, this is, yeah. this is my background. Well, so, it's, it's very prestigious, you know? Very I mean, much would, so. In the same way it is with that. wine, it's that way with beer. Hmm. Interesting. I, I just learned a lot in this last like five minutes here. We try to be very educational at Motor City <laughs> Brew Tours. <laughs> That's the whole the whole premise, right? But if we were in a brewery right now, we'd also be drinking. But we're right. We're on yeah. the clock, so yeah. We'll, well, next time we'll have to do this uh, after hours. Maybe we can bring the equipment over to a brewery and, and uh, get the noises of a brewery as well. Well, that's always the bonus. Yeah. Okay, so if we we're at a brewery, what would you be drinking? What would I be drinking? I'm very seasonal with beer. We get into the fall, so we're already starting to see Oktoberfest beers come out because that mm-hmm. season seems like it's kind of narrowed or it lengthened a little bit now yeah. for the fall, um, even though Oct- Oktoberfest isn't really till the end of September officially mm-hmm. in Munich. Uh, lots of brewers are starting to come out with, you know, so malt-forward beers is what I would say. So malt-forward, a little more flavor to it. You could get some caramel. You could get whatever from that taste. As I get into the fall, I shift right into that. And okay. then there's a lot of these pumpkin and spice beers. They'll start coming out in the fall now. Those have kind of thrown themselves into that time frame. Then yeah. when you get into winter, you get more uh, what we call winter warmers and other levels of spiced beers that are a bit darker in color and usually a little higher in alcohol content. So okay. it's really designed that it's cold. You don't want to leave your house. You need to warm <laughs> right. up. Right. Yeah. Get a little extra alcohol boost as you're drinking. 
and uh, for the lumberjacks of, oh, of the area. Oh, definitely, yeah. definitely, totally makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> right. All right, Steve. So tell us if uh, people want to get get in contact with you, where they should do that. We're on all the social properties and obviously on the web. Uh, MotorCityBrewTours.com is our official website. If you want more information on the beer book, that's DetroitBeerBook.com. Okay. And then if you're on uh, Facebook or Instagram and you say at MotorCityBrewTours, that's our handle. And then on Twitter, we're at MIBeerTours. Perfect. So thanks again, Steve. Thanks for having me. For the latest on things to do and hot events in the Comeback City, go to VisitDetroit.com. Make sure you sign up for our monthly newsletter to get those updates and events and giveaways up top next to the Get Started button. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast for more discussion and an insider's glimpse of Detroit. Again, I'm Dan, and thanks for listening. I hope you'll come back for more on the Comeback City. Comeback City.